Hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We hope that during this time of the global pandemic that you and yours are safe and sound. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you some of the best of episodes that we have recorded over the last few years here at Bottom Line Faith. We're doing this in order to bring you some of the best high-profile and specialized speakers to help you navigate this crisis in your leadership in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Rick Gosen, founder and chairman of Entrepreneurial Leaders Organization. Build your support network before you need it, because if you have a challenge and you start looking for a support network at that time, well, you, you can't get instant friends. If you're in a group with other business owners, leaders, and you're regularly connecting with people, then when something comes up, then you know who to talk to about it, and you'd probably get a lot of good advice. Well, hello, everyone. This is your host, Ray Hilbert. We would like to welcome you back for another episode of the Bottom Line Faith program. And, and I am particularly excited about our guest on today's program because I'm not even sure he knows this yet, but our guest today is the first international guest here at Bottom Line Faith. <laughs> and calling in from Canada is my friend and now your friend, Rick Gosen, who is an advisor with Covenant Family Wealth Advisors. He also has an amazing nonprofit organization called Entrepreneurial Leaders that we're going to talk about today. So, Rick, we are so blessed. Thank you for joining us here at Bottom Line Faith. Well, I'm glad to be here, and as they say, we're neighbors divided by a common language. <laughs> I love it. Well, Rick, let's <laughs> jump right in. Tell us a little bit about you and your background, and, and then I definitely want to get in in just a few moments to your nonprofit, because you're doing some amazing things to equip Christ followers and business in the marketplace, but what would you like our listeners to know about yourself? Well, I, I think I have a some, somewhat unique background in that uh, my parents were born in the Soviet Union in Mennonite colonies, and if people know their theology, Mennonites were part of the Anabaptist movement that originated in Europe in the 1520s, and they focused on separation of church and state, things like that. So my parents were actually living in Mennonite colonies in the Soviet Union, emigrated after the war to Canada. So I grew up uh, in a in a very unique, a very positive spiritual community. You know, a lot of very devout people. Uh, my parents being immigrants, that always shapes your view of the world. So I grew up as a first generation Canadian. So from a theological standpoint, I've always been used to thinking of Christians and, and your faith as presenting an alternative to the mainstream. And then professionally, my background is in law. I studied, uh, one of the places I studied was at Columbia Law School in the U.S., so I have a partially an American uh, legal background. And I have a few diverse interests, so I've always combined uh, legal and business activities along with writing, public speaking, and also, uh, you know, teaching at uh, colleges and at my church. Well, so like the Apostle Paul, you've got a great formal educational background, and as great as that is, your real passion 
is what? Uh, let, just just let us know right off the top. What's your real passion? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I was excited to to talk to you, Ray, because my passion is helping Christian entrepreneurs and family business owners be more effective difference makers in their businesses, in society, and in nonprofits. So all the work that I do, so I work full-time at a place called Covenant Family Wealth Advisors, and I do succession transition planning, strategy, will and estate planning for high net worth business owners all across Canada, but we do it from a Christian perspective. And then secondly, what I do through Entrepreneurial Leaders Organization is to help connect, equip, celebrate Christian marketplace leaders. And so those two come together quite well. And also what I teach on at my church is on calling. What I write on is business is mission and calling. So really my, my passion is to empower Christian business leaders to be more effective uh, in society. And I think the way society has changed, you know, it's interesting that business leaders may not always realize this, but Christian business leaders have a disproportionate amount of influence in their communities because people respect the financial success. Uh, sometimes mainstream people don't really know what to make out of pastors. You know, they're, they're, it's, it's less common in our society to view the pastor as as like a community leader. It's Maybe they're viewed as more, you know, within their community differently. But business leaders, people can relate to that. You know, if you're a business guy who's got a high-tech company with 500 employees and you're having an impact in the community, definitely people care what you think. Well, <laughs> it didn't take long for me to draw that out from you in that you're the, like, perfect guest here at Bottom Line Faith, because that's what this program is all about, Rick. And I want to dive into some of those nuts and bolts and things that you've learned and expertise that you can bring to this conversation, because a, a large proportion of our audience, they're, they're business owners, they're high-capacity executives, and they're really trying to live out their faith in the marketplace and in this sphere of a very unique sphere of influence that God has given them. So in your dealing, in your advising and serving and, and coming alongside, as you described, uh, high net worth, high capacity Christian business owners and executives in the marketplace, what are some of the challenges that you see them wrestling with when it comes to this whole concept or issue of faith, business's mission, calling in the marketplace? Just kind of go down that pathway with us. You know, despite my legal training, I'll try to be uncharacteristically succinct. Um, <laughs> so when I, you know, I've, I've interviewed over 300 Christian entrepreneurs for research and work with a bunch of them, and I'd say some of the key issues are they feel isolated, they don't feel like they have support, they don't always feel equipped, and they don't always feel knowledgeable enough about how to apply their faith in the marketplace. So what I mean by that is, Often the successful Christian entrepreneur is a rarity within their church context. So they don't actually know anybody like them. So if I'm the person, the man or woman who's got a company with 50, 100 employees and I've, and I've, you know, mortgaged my house to the hilt and I've got personal guarantees and I'm taking all this risk and I'm striving to build this company, there's probably not a lot of people in my church who can, can, can really re relate to that. So what I've found is that 
some of these business people, they feel isolated and then they withdraw and then they don't have anybody they can share their concerns with. And often they don't have, like I talked to so many business people who say, I just met a guy yesterday for lunch, said the same thing. I wish I had a mentor. Oh, I could have used the mentor when I was younger. So people, you know, they feel isolated. That's a problem. Uh, they, they don't always have the experience to withstand issues that come up. So as an example, out of the 300 plus people that I've interviewed, I asked this one very general question, which is, what was your lowest moment? And it's a very broad question. The most common response is, I have been betrayed. I've been betrayed by somebody very close to me. And often it's another believer. But then people like, you know, Christians in business, what happens is they feel sort of stupid because, you know, I've been betrayed by somebody. And of course, betrayal is not just getting ripped off. It's actually getting ripped off by somebody you put your trust in who now has violated that trust. So that's a huge challenge for virtually all Christian business people that they've been let down by others. And so how do you deal with that? Well, when you're in isolation, what ends up happening is you think, I'm the only person that's ever happened to, so therefore you don't share it with anybody, and you don't really deal with it, and it it may turn you off quite a bit, may cause you to go into a shell. Meanwhile, I've seen through my research that that's happened to almost all Christian business people, and if we could uh, have people communicating, learning from the experience, and then also mentoring others in terms of you know what to expect as a believer in a business context, that could that could really um, help fortify people's faith going forward. That is so powerful, and I want to stay parked here just for a couple of moments, Rick, because the playground where Satan seems to defeat Christians is in this area of isolation. He picks them off when they're not in mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. when they don't yeah. have fellowship and accountability, and, you know, I can't speak for you, Rick, I just know in my own prayer life, sometimes I don't know if I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit or if it's last night's pizza, you know, if it's indigestion, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> right. I, I need I need that fellowship, I need that community, I need that encouragement to help me mm. discern what God may be up to in a given situation. Is that kind of what you're talking about around this isolation issue? You know, Ray, that's such a great point, because I always think of these these crazy animal videos where you see the lions who are tracking the wildebeest, and the ones that get picked off are the ones that are get isolated from the herd. Yeah. And I, I think it's so true in the Christian community. And, and that's why, you know, what I'm doing through Entrepreneurial Leaders Organization is, you know, we have these events, and we emphasize the fellowship's important, the connecting with other believers, uh, sharing with other people who've had the same experience, because what happens is when... You can't process uh, what's happened to you. you. You know, you can become bitter. Your faith can start to erode. And so it's so important to, you know, have that fellowship and, and work through it. And I think, yeah, I think that is, you know, the devil's strategy, so to speak, that if you isolate people, then it's, you know, it's like the however, whatever analogy, the embers in the yeah. fire, but, you know, it, the light's going to go out when you're on your own. And and so what I find is Christian business leaders really crave that fellowship. And I think that's why, you know, the events that we have, and I'm sure the events that you have, you know, work so well is because uh, people can be in in fellowship with other believers and can relate to them, share that experience and you know what? If they had known each other before and were able to bounce things off one another and and work through it, they would have been way better off faith-wise. But you know what typically happens is you know churches 
churches have a lot of uh, commitments, obligations, and it's quite difficult for a business person to connect with a pastor in relation to business issues. Mm -hmm. So what I found is the pastors who do best with business people, they actually have a business background. Yeah. You know, they may have been in industry for 10 years and then they went to the pastor, but the average pastor, they can be, you know, sympathetic and listening, but you, you can't expect the pastor to know everything. And so where do these business people go? Well, they really should be connecting with peers who can help them work through these types of situations. So I'm going to share a conversation that I had just yesterday with a business owner. She was saying, you know, I had a person in my company that I shared something very personal about what was going on in my family, and uh, I asked that it would be in confidentiality, and that person betrayed me and broke confidentiality, and so now many people in my company know about this issue in my family. So she says, I have now vowed that I am just not going to bring anything personal into the business, and I'm not going to have a culture or an environment where we ever cross that line between the personal and the business. And I was trying to be very sensitive to her story and her situation, and I says, well, candidly, I'm sorry for your pain and your brokenness in that, but what you experienced was an imperfect, broken person, but that is not the biblical model as a Christ follower in business. We can't separate business and personal life and those things. God has created us as holistic people, so you got to figure out how to work through that and so forth. But Rick, what I'd like to ask you to do is, right now there probably is a business owner or a high-capacity leader who has experienced what you're describing here, this whole issue of betrayal, and there's hurt there, there's anger, there's resentment, whatever. What would you say to encourage that Christ follower in moving forward? Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, I, I think like a lot of things we learn in life, uh, I think we have to look at what are the spiritual lessons I can take away from the experience. So one aspect is this whole notion of forgiveness. You know, as we all know, if we don't forgive, we're going to carry the bitterness. And then carrying the bitterness will, and this is quite interesting, it will poison the well for other situations that might be more positive. So it's quite fascinating. Let's say, you know, we should share with others, have the fellowship, but let's say, unfortunately, the person that you shared with broke that confidence. But that doesn't mean it was a bad idea to share. It just is unfortunate that that person broke the confidence. But then what I find happens is if for other people you meet and develop good relationships with, when you don't open up with them because of your bad past experience, then you're actually limiting the scope of your relationship with the, with the future people that you meet. Mm. So I, I think the concept of the, the fellowship, the sharing, the confidentiality, confiding in people is important and should be done. But, it, you know, we, do, we just have to be so careful. Yeah. So I'd say the encouraging thing is, you know, there are lots of really great people out there who, who do hold confidence. And maybe it's a matter of just getting to know people well enough where you feel comfortable doing that. At the same time, when it has happened, and you know, I've been betrayed. Almost everybody I, I know has had a betrayal happen to them, and then you process it and go, you know what? It, it's like they say, it's the double loss. If yeah. if once you've been betrayed, if you maintain the bitterness, okay, now it's a double loss. It happened, and now you're carrying it with you. Well, you just gotta move on, and it's tough, but I think that's what you have to do. And whenever things happen, I always look in the mirror. 
And mm. so, you know, I don't want to blame others or even the person who betrayed me because uh, these things have happened to me. And I thought, okay, well, what can I learn? Well, okay, I have to be more careful. And, you know, the reality is what I've learned, I, I had this one, he was actually a billionaire. And he said, the more successful I became, the smaller my circle became. Yeah. So I, I could, I was always so suspicious or skeptical of people's motives, even people who appear to have my best interest at heart. So can you imagine, he says, when I became, because he, he reached billionaire status, and the only people he could confide in were his wife and, and adult kids. Mm. And um, so you just, you know, and I always think of the verse, Matthew ten sixteen. you know, wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove. You know, you know, as Christians, doesn't mean we we can't be wise and careful. And and I'd say also to this person, like if you have been betrayed, I go, you know, join the club. It's probably the world's biggest club. Yeah. So don't think that you're not a, a smart person. Don't think you did something stupid. Well, we've all done stupid things. We've all made mistakes. We all wish we could take things back. All we can really do is process it, learn from it, and just move on, and that's that. Well, you're, you're touching base on something there, Rick, that I think is one of the things I just, frankly, I love about studying Jesus and his model. Um, he understood betrayal, right? And we see on the night of his betrayal, he's, he's saying to Judas, you know, I know what you're going to do, just go do it quickly, get it over with. And then he meets up with him again, and Judas gives him a kiss to, you know, indicate who Jesus was in the garden. And you can just see in that moment, Jesus knew the betrayal was coming, and yet he chose to love anyway. And he knew that Peter was going to deny him. He knew the disciples were going to deny him. He knew that betrayal was part of obedience, and yet it didn't get him off mission. And that's what I'm hearing that you're, you're describing. Am I, am I hitting it right there? Yeah, no, that's it. And I think this relates to this whole question of Christians in the marketplace. I always ask myself, how do we think of our faith as we enter the marketplace? And I always think good theology leads to good practice of ethics in the marketplace. So, for example, we should go into the marketplace thinking, you know what, there will be people who want to rip us off. There will be people who betray us. Uh, Not everything will work out. We won't all make a make a fortune. We may be blessed in different ways, and that's the that's the nature of the marketplace. So then we go into it with the attitude of, okay, as a believer, I want to have an impact, regardless of what happens to me. It's how I handle things. So how can we handle betrayal from a Christian standpoint? Now I know from a non-Christian standpoint, the first reaction of people is vengeance. Okay, I'm going to make that person pay. Like, I'm going to get that person back. Doesn't matter how long it takes, I'm getting that person back. Well, you know what? When you have a testimony, it's quite interesting from a Christian standpoint. There's probably other people who can observe what's going on, and they'll see how you you interact with the person who betrayed you. Now, what I've learned is the truth comes out in the wash, but sometimes it can take years, and I'd say even decades, for people to see, oh, you know what, that person who is getting maligned and bad-mouthed and positioned a certain way as if they cheated and did this and that, you know what, it actually wasn't true. may not always come out within the next week or two, but over time, it comes out, and so all you can do is continue to, you know, live the right way, live out your faith, practice uh, good ethics, and and just keep moving on. But don't let it get you off on a rabbit trail where you're now, in a sense, operating at that same level. Like you know, like the takeaway would not be, well, okay, then I'm now going to betray someone else. Right. No, no, just <laughs> treat it as okay, it's happened. I've got to move on, but I've got to stick to my standards. 
Well, Rick, I got to tell you, one of the things I love that I get to do here in hosting this program at Bottom Line Faith is every guest, like yourself, brings a unique topic, an issue, or a perspective. And um, I don't know, in the roughly you know 80 to 90 episodes of Bottom Line Faith that we've recorded to this point, I genuinely think this is the first conversation we've had focused around this issue of betrayal. And I've seen it too. I've dealt with Christian business owners myself for over 20 years, and boy, it is, it is, I can't think of a situation where that hasn't been part of their journey. I am going to have to have you back because there's so many other questions and so many other topics I want to explore with you, but I think this is really important mm-hmm. because I, I really think there's somebody listening right now that has some hardness in their heart, they have some unforgiveness. Yeah. And fear has set in, and it's keeping them from pursuing that next relationship or that next opportunity, okay? So could you share maybe a story or an example of how you've seen betrayal hinder a Christ follower in business, and then maybe how you saw them overcome that or come to a point of healing and restoration? Does anything come to mind, any situation? You know, when I'm just trying to think, there's a whole uh, compendium of, of people who would spring to mind, but there's situations like, you know, a guy starts a company, builds it up, brings in a trusted advisor, and then that trusted advisor starts to think they're sort of the key for success. And then the owner founder goes away on a holiday. And then the person who's second in command engineers uh, sort of a bit of a scheme to get people on his side, you know, take the client list and set up around the corner and then basically undermine the company of the founder. Now, when the founder gets back, the whole thing blows up. But what I found in this, in this one case, it was a guy with a printing company, you know, that happened to him. And what he did is he just had to, you know, cut ties with that guy. The guy took the client list, tried to set up on his own, ended up not working. Meanwhile, you know, his business went down and then he just sort of built it back up over time. At the end of the day, did well, you know, survived and thrived. But the way he dealt with the person who betrayed him wasn't in a vindictive way. It was basically dealt with it non-legally, just cut ties, took his lumps and just moved on. You know, it's interesting because in our society, of course, you know, and I'm a lawyer by background, you know, in our society, the common reaction is, well, I'm going to sue, which Mm -hmm. not to say it's not Christian to sue somebody, but as we know, often going the legal path is costly and time consuming and in many ways brings out the worst in people, right? You're drawing your battle lines and you're making all sorts of wild accusations, hoping that you'll reach some, you know, middle ground. So the ability to just sort of move on and focus on the positive, building up the business and a testimony, you know, that would be the way, you know, to handle it. It's not, it's definitely not easy, but that would be the, you know, the best way forward. Yeah, I'm thinking out of Philippians where Paul says, you know, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is right and noble, fix your thoughts on these things. So we have a choice when betrayal occurs. We can dwell there and, as you were saying, conjure up all kinds of schemes and strategies to respond to the betrayal, or we can do what Paul says, let's fix our thoughts on moving forward, growing, getting better, impacting the marketplace, that to me seems to be where spiritual maturity enters the equation. Am I going to hold on to the past, or am I going to look to the future? I mean, I, I you know, I don't know if you agree with that, but or, or would offer any comment on that. Well, yeah, I agree. And of course, somebody listening might say, "Well, 
that sounds great in theory, but you know right. the reality isn't quite isn't quite so simple. And I and I would say I agree a hundred percent because you know when betrayal happens, and and it's really interesting because betrayal, as I mentioned earlier, is different than just getting ripped off. You know, betrayal is usually very personal because it's I put my trust in someone who ripped me off, and then what happens is. Because this this happened to me too. Then you think, okay, well, how could I be so stupid not to see that coming? It's embarrassing. It ruins a lot of relationships. Uh, it can be very, very messy because the betrayal can happen. You know, maybe among family members, among friends. I've had clients who it's it was the deacon in the church who yeah, yeah. ripped them off. You know, the Lord the Lord led them to steal his client list, and and all these <laughs> things that you would think you you got to be kidding me. And that's where it gets so messy. You know, it's different if somebody, you know, if you did work for someone, okay, you owe me a thousand bucks, you won't pay me. And it's some random guy in your community. Well, okay, it's not good, but it, that's not a betrayal. That's just, a, you know, getting ripped off. But betrayal is, no, this person, I know them and their family and their parents and the whole bit. And I'm going to keep seeing them for the next 20, 30 years of my life. Okay, that that is where it gets very messy. And so then to, you know, hold your head high and go, you know, despite all the noise and the and the and the sort of negativity, I'm just gonna focus on doing the right thing, just keep moving forward. That's definitely not easy to do. But I think that's where the fellowship of others comes in because the thing that always occurs to me is I think, well, how would that how would somebody else deal with this? Because a lot of times when you're going into uncharted territory, you know, so let's say, hopefully you don't get betrayed too many times in your life, but when it does happen, it's often the first time that that's ever happened to you. So then you don't really, there's, there's no manual on how to deal with it. I mean, there's the Bible, but I mean, just in terms of the practicalities, yeah. most people yeah. are, are sideswiped. They think, oh, wow, what? I, I almost can't believe this. And you're a bit disoriented, and then you have to figure out how to handle it. But typically, you don't, you know, when it happened to me, I didn't know anybody else who went through this and uh, I felt stupid. So I didn't, wasn't exactly talking to anybody about it. You just muddle through. But looking back, the advice I would give to people is I heard this in church just as last Sunday, and it was such a great comment build your support network before you need it. Because if you have a challenge and you start looking for a support network at that time, well, you, you can't get instant friends. So let's say, if you're in in a group with other business owners, leaders, and you're regularly, you know, whether it's weekly, monthly, connecting with people, then when something comes up, then you know who to talk to about it, and you'd probably get a lot of good advice. And especially for younger people who, you know, I always think the mentoring is so important. That, you know, there's people in their 40s, 50s, 60s who've maybe seen it a few times, but you can also pass on that knowledge to people in their 20s and 30s so that they can anticipate things and be ready, you know, when it comes. And then I think it, it builds your faith rather than undermines it. That may be the quote of the, the year for me, build your support network before you need it. Rick, that's that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That is really strong, right? Because once it's happened, it may be too late, or the consequences may be so great to overcome. So that's that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe this. <laughs> we are near the end of our time together, so we're going to have to have <laughs> I you told back. You I, was, I, ra- I warned you I was long-winded. I mean, that's my legal training. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's all right. That's all right. This has been exceptional. Rick, why don't you share, what is the website that would be best for our listeners to, to learn more about what you're doing? I think this is fantastic. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a long, long domain name, but it's entrepreneurialleaders.com. And we have lots of resources for Christian marketplace leaders, and we hold events, and we've got different videos and, and information on the website, but it's entrepreneurialleaders.com. Or if somebody just Googles my name, uh, Richard Gosen or Rick Gosen, there'll be uh, lots of stuff that comes up. And that is spelled G-O-O, there's two O's in there, S-S-E-N. Right. So fantastic. Well, I'm down to the one question that I ask every single guest here at Bottom Line Faith, what we call our 423 question. And it's based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Solomon writes these words. He says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. So, Rick, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just paint a, a scenario here. Let's say it's towards the tail end of your time, this side of eternity, and you have a chance to gather your family, your friends, your loved ones, and you're, you're going to get to pass along the single most important piece of advice, like your above-all-else advice. So what I'd like you to do is just fill in the blank for us and answer this question. What would be your above-all-else advice? So my epitaph, I'd like to be, live your calling. So for me, he lived his calling. So to me, for Christian marketplace leaders, for any Christian, I believe they have to focus on their calling and live it right till their dying day. In particular, I think it's so important to focus on that so that you can finish well. What I see with a lot of successful business people is they don't finish well. And it's really interesting that Solomon made that comment because, and we cover it in, in one, of, one of my books, Solomon did not finish well. His mind, his, he, he was turned away from God because of all the foreign concubines and wives. I think in total it was 1,200 or something crazy like that. So Solomon himself didn't finish well. So I think the key thing for Christian business leaders is to focus on your calling, live out your calling, be clear on your calling, and then finish strong right to the end. So if somebody out there is, say you're 60 years old, you shouldn't be thinking, oh, I've got five years left until I retire. Instead, you should think, you know what, I, I statistically, I probably have 25 years left. I need to have a 25-year game plan from age 60 to 85, how I'm going to finish strong. And that's where you have the biggest impact for testimony, because a lot of people in that age bracket, you know, they may be married, they may have kids, they may have grandkids, and that's where you're going to do something to create a great legacy. So for those people who taper off at the end, you know, it's a big challenge for business people, because if you've worked hard and you've made money, well, now you can be spending all that money, you know, in the so-called golden years. But the reality is those golden years can be the years where you have, you could have a bigger impact in the last quarter of your life than you did in the previous three quarters. So I wrote just the, the summation of that is live your calling and finish well. That's your above all else counsel. You're far more succinct than I am, right? No, that's, that's, <laughs> hey, that's why they pay me the big bucks here, Rick, to host Bottom Line Faith. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I like, I, I speak for five minutes and you go, so what you were saying was live your calling. Uh, yeah, sorry. I took, <laughs> I took five minutes to explain all that. <laughs> well, listen, when I'm, when I'm at home, you know, uh, and my kids or my wife ask me something, quite often I'll hear, hey, dad, 
I asked you what time it was, not how they built the watch. So I get it, okay? So (laughs) (laughs) that's that's fantastic. (laughs) Well, I just want to say, A, thank you for your investment of time today here with us at Bottom Line Faith, and B, even more importantly, thank you for your obedience in living out your calling and finishing well in serving Christ's followers in the marketplace. So thank you on both accounts. Well, I appreciate it, and it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Well, folks, there you have it. Check out Rick and go to his website. That is entrepreneurleaders.com. You can, uh, great resources there. Rick and his team is making available to you to check out their events, videos, articles, and such that they have available to you. We are so very grateful that you've joined us on today's episode here at Bottom Line Faith. I trust that this topic of overcoming betrayal as a Christian in business has spoken to many of you out there. And what you can do for us is it would be awesome if you would go to your podcast platform, whether that's iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, whatever it is, provide a review for today's conversation. That's what helps us to grow this ministry at Bottom Line Faith. It's what helps us get the word out. The more reviews we get, the more exposure we get. And so I want to thank you for that. Rick talked a lot today in the conversation about isolation, and and I love this statement that he shared, build your support network before you need it. One way that you can do that as a Christ follower is get involved with a group, a peer advisory group. There are many models available. Check out truthatwork.org. Click on the the tab there called Roundtables, and you can learn about tapping into a chapter in your local community. We also have virtual groups where you can connect through technology with other Christ followers around the area as well. So I want to thank you for joining us today on the program here at Bottom Line Faith. And so until next time, I am your host, Ray Hilbert, encouraging you to faithfully live out your calling in the marketplace. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes. 